0: come on, would you lift up your voices and lift up your hands and welcome the King of glory in this place? His presence is truly in this place tonight. And you're here in His presence. And that's a combination for God to do something miraculous tonight. Praise the name of the Lord. God is faithful. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I ask that as you... Or as the word comes forward tonight, you remain sensitive to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. He's in this place. He's dwelling in the midst. So as this word comes forth, please remain sensitive to the Lord. I believe we're at a place and time as where now how you see things is more important than ever. How you see yourself, how you see the world, how you see the church. Are you able to see past the shape you're in? Are you able to see past the shape the world is in? Are you able to see past the shape the church is in? Do you see hope or do you see defeat? My scripture is, Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, people perish. And God sent me to begin with this opening statement. Right now, more than ever, due to a spiritual drought, so many people have lost the ability to see hope. They've become blinded by their circumstances. They can't see no way out, can't see past today, haven't heard from God in so long. Therefore, they are spiritually perishing and giving up because they have no vision. Therefore, God has sent me to tell someone, this is a season for you to be delivered from your dry place in your life. Your raven season is over. Your dove season is here. This is the season for your vision to become a reality. This is that. And I say tonight, we break the drought. By the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that spiritual drought will be broken. God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out his spirit upon this place. Say it. This is that. Now, some of you want to say, I don't, it don't look like it. But know this. God would not say that this is that if it looked like that. And that statement will make sense here in just a little while. Sometimes we come into a season of blessing that don't look like a season of blessing when it begins. It don't look no bigger than the size of a man's fist when you first begin to see it. To where someone has to announce to you, "This is that." Someone has to tell you you're blessed. You see, you never have to announce the obvious. I should never have to say, "I'm a man," or "I'm white." You should never have to announce the obvious. You just see it and know it because you saw it. Yet you have to announce, though, those things that aren't obvious that no one else is seeing or believing but you. Now, let's dig in. Acts two sixteen through 18, Peter declares on the day of Pentecost. But this is that that's spoken by the prophet Job. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and my handmaids i pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. This passage of Scripture right here is pretty much what we call the Pentecostal anthem. In this passage, Peter's declaring that this outpouring of God's spirit is what Joe envisioned in his day that was to come in the last days. And Peter is declaring it's here. This is that. Declaring that the vision is obtainable now. Now, what caught my eyes in this passage though was God says, You shall see visions. See visions. That's what I want to dig into. Many of you have visions for your life, but you haven't seen them come to pass. But how in the world do you see visions? When a vision means to see, and to see is to have a vision. If you see visions, aren't we using a double metaphor in that statement? He says see visions. Seeing is vision. If I can see, I have vision. If I have vision, I can see. So what do you mean when you say see visions? You're not telling me to to see the vision because the vision is seeing. Sounds crazy so far, don't it? But I'm going somewhere. By me seeing him using those two words together made me dig. So what's he saying when he says, see visions? It's just like he's saying, see, see, or vision, vision. He just said the same thing twice using two different words. That mean the same thing I thought. Now here's how we clear that up. Well, the word see, he's using in his original language, in the Greek does not mean as to see, as to behold, but means as to obtain. So he's not just looking at the vision the spirit world of being able to visualize something that hasn't happened yet. you got to get this. But he's saying that which you have visualized will materialize in this season. You will obtain it. Come on. So let's say it again now that we know. He is saying in the last day, visions are going to be obtainable and they're going to come to pass. And we are living in the last days, Church. And God was saying, the last days we can obtain vision. And God sent me to tell you, get ready. Your visions, your dreams are fixing to pass, that this is that. All this stuff you could only foresee is fixing to show up, get ready. That loved one's fixing to get saved. That marriage is fixing to be reconciled. That ministry is fixing to be birthed. That career is fixing to take off. That Shekinah glory is fixing to fall. This place is fixing to be full. This building's fixing to be paid off. Come on, somebody. Come on. Now, why is that? Because we're walking in the manifestation season. Is that not what we declare every time before we begin every service in this house? It's time for the vision to come to pass because this is that. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. Woo. That which you not only seen, you can obtain that new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Come on. That that you have visualized will materialize in this season. I don't think you're getting it. Say it. It's a new season. It's a new day. Nothing but blessing. Coming my way. And that's why the devil's been working so hard to keep you from visualizing yourself or ever being any better off than you've been in the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years of your life. Because he knew if you ever saw it, that this season, according to God's word, you would be able to obtain it. Your enemy has long feared the day that you would obtain what God has planned for you. He knows the word. He knows before you were formed in your mother's womb that God had a plan for you. He knows what Jeremiah proclaimed in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. He knows God has given you an expected end. Yeah. And your enemy's done all he can to try to kill, steal, and destroy your vision. He's had you running around all doomed and gloom, feeling like it's always going to be like this. I ain't never going to have. I'm not able to. Nothing's ever going to change. I don't have nothing to give. I've always been a loser. That's because it's all you've ever been, seen yourself to be. That's all you ever viewed yourself to be. That's how you've always viewed your circumstances and your situations. You've never visualized yourself as nothing more, more or for some, you gave up on what you saw. But that's why I'm here. What did I say earlier? Sometimes you got to announce which is the obvious to you, but yet not seen by others. And I've come to tell you're brokenhearted, oppressed, depressed, beat down, tired and weary soul, that this is that. This is that season. The wind of change is going to blow. I pronounce blessing from the north, from the east, from the south, from the west. Go ahead, wind of spirit. Breathe on this place. (laughs) Satan don't want to see yourself progressing or going forward, having more, doing more. But it's time to see a vision of you living in peace, walking by faith, Learning to love, growing in grace, taking control of your life. It's time for you to visualize your sons and daughters coming home from afar. It's time to see marriages being reconciled, relationships being restored. It's time to see the lame walking, the blinded eyes being opened. It's time to see tumors disappearing, the weak being made strong, and the sick being healed, and the palace of praise being full of people in his glory. Come on, somebody. It's time. Or maybe rather you see only your failures, remind you of your past, show you you're going down, show you your sickness and your affliction, broken, poor, all oppressed and depressed. Too often you can always visualize the negatives easier than you can the righteousness. The enemy knows the power of God's vision for you. If you can get you to believe a lie to where you will never see anything good, you're finished. You don't see people coming up to the altar for prayer because they're having visions of righteousness. Come because they're full of hope. No, it's not like that. They don't come up here and say, Pastor, please pray for me. Every time I close my eyes, I see a vision of living holy. No, it's usually doom and gloom. Because the enemy of your soul knows the power of vision. He knows that without a vision, people perish. So if you spend all your time seeing yourself doing wrong, then you'll never visualize yourself doing right. You'll be like, this is just who I am. Our family's always been messed up. When you see things like that, you're feeling your own defeat by how you see yourself. In the natural, you will become what you think about you. So as a man thinks, so, as shall he be? What you visualize will materialize because of your commitment to what you believe by what you see. Since Satan is not a creator, only an imitator, he's imitating the spiritual principle where God shows you good, he shows you bad. And Paul says if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. So it depends what realm you walk in as to what happens into your life. You sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh. You sow to the spirit, you reap of the spirit. It depends on what you envision, how you see yourself as to what will materialize in your life. If you see yourself confident versus inferior it'll make a huge difference. If you see yourself worthy versus worthless, it'll make a huge difference. If you think you're no good, you probably won't be. If you think you're never going to win, you probably won't. If you think you won't make it, you probably won't make it. Visualization, how you see yourself is a powerful thing versus how God sees you. I see so many people who think they're worth nothing. They think they look like nothing, believe they can never have nothing, but yet I can look at them and they look so different than that to me. What looks so bleak to them looks so obvious to me that they could be more than what they believe they can be. I can see what they can't see. Therefore, I must announce to them what I see and believe about them that they can see yet. I become amazed knowing their gifts and their talents and their tender hearts, amazed at the fact that with all that potential they possess that they think they don't have nothing or could be nothing. Why? How come? Because it's not how I view them, it's how they view themselves that matters. They've been deceived, they bought into a lie, they're blinded. Almost every successful person I've worked with in my life were incredibly creative, grew up with huge imaginations, saw things no one else could see, believed things when no one else believed in them. Some of the wildest kids make some of the most successful adults because their imagination is out of control. As a kid, they're full of life, believing they can be anything and do anything they they see themselves as they believe. They're running around, dreaming up, making up stuff, big plans for their lives. They believe even at an early age, they can be Miss America, a Power Ranger, a NASCAR driver, a movie star, a doctor, a lawyer, a preacher, a teacher. Even some have imaginary friends and imagine things that never, never happened. The imagination of a child can't be controlled. They can care less what everybody else thinks. So what stops us in our tracks? What makes us quit dreaming seeing ourselves as victorious as we grow older? What causes us to lose our vision? Believe believing the, the lies of the enemies is what does it. Your enemies lie to you. He's blinding you. He's accused you, he's mocked you, tragedies have stifled you, the abuse has harmed you, you believed a lie. Come on, the devil is the father of all lies. And he's come to kill, steal, and destroy you and your dreams. Somebody told you you were somebody else other than who God said you were and you believed them over God. There are some people who are like naturally endowed. They're strong, they're tenacious, they take a lick and keep on ticking. They have a relentless spirit that makes them eager for them to see the materialization of an abstracted dream come to pass. They just have a spirit-driven desire to see things come to pass. There's people who aren't even saved, driven to see things they dreamed of come to materialize. Then there's the others. People who have become comfortable, or a better word, tolerant, with whatever life handsoms they accept. Even if it's not what they want, they will say, well... This isn't what I want, but it's all I got, I'll have to make do. I'll just have to grin and bear it, make it through it. I'm just going to have to endorse it. These are just the consequences I have to suffer. Thank God at least I got something. Something's better than nothing. This is just the cards that life has dealt me. It's been this way all my life. It was good enough for mom and dad. I guess it's good enough for me. You know, that's all right if life is handing you good stuff. It's good to be content, but not condemned. Is a big difference. If life is handing you what you need to survive and you're content and happy, that's all right. But what do you do if all of a sudden in your life famine breaks out or a drought shows up in your life? It may not be a drought for lack of rain, maybe for a lack of finances, a lack of love, a lack of health. All kinds of droughts can take place in our lives. Isn't it amazing how it's possibly enjoying blessings on one side of your life where things are good, but yet in a drought on the other side of your life. And you know how to deal with this side, but you don't know how to deal with the other side of your life. Stay with me. Going to shift gears for just a little bit. You know how to handle blessings, but not droughts. When everything's good, oh, yeah, but everything's bad, oh, no. Know how to shout and enjoy blessing, but don't know how to shout and survive a drought. Fine when everything's good, but fall apart when it's bad. Thankful when you're blessed, but bitter when a drought comes. Faithful when you're blessed, but yet doubtful in the drought. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna help somebody tonight. That's why you walk around with your life out of balance all the time. It's cause your spiritual equilibrium's out of whack. You're up and down all the time like a roller coaster. You're like an airplane that can get off the ground but can't land without crashing. Got it going over here, but you're losing it over there. You go to work but you don't go to church. You love your kids, but you can't stand your spouse. Got a lot of stuff but can't pay your bills. Serving in ministry, but hiding sin. And you wonder why you can't find the balance. This happens to successful people all the time. Over here, you got it going on. Over here, you're falling apart. And you become embarrassed about your success after a while. Why? Because successful people have trouble admitting they haven't got it all together. Now, let's look at Elijah. He was a very fascinating person. When you look at his life, one moment on Mount Carmel, he's calling down fire from heaven. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Next moment, he's sitting by a brook hiding out from a woman, telling God, telling God he'd been better off if he'd never been born. But yet, his Mount Carmel experience proved Elijah was a man of vision. I'm fascinated how Elijah, on more than one occasion, had the ability to see the future and to envision something that was not there, according to the natural eye. And to be sure about it, to see rain before it ever comes. You see, it's one thing to think it, but it's another thing to say it. It's one thing to think you see it, but it's another thing to announce it with such a compelling belief. I'm talking about when they're on a mountain and he tells his servant, go tell Ahab to eat and drink and get ready to run. It's fixing to rain when it hadn't rained three years. It wasn't a dark cloud in the sky, not one indication of rain to be seen. So why did he say it? Why did he announce it? Because he saw something no one else saw. Not in the natural, but in the spirit he saw a vision. To help you recall the story quickly, God sent Elijah to tell King Ahab it's not going to rain for three years because of them worshiping the idol god Baal, whom they believed was the god of the rain. And God wanted to prove to them different that he was the god of the rain. So Elijah tells them, he said, a drought comes and famine sets in. Three years later, God sends Elijah back to tell Ahab's servant, to go tell Ahab and his belt prophets to meet him on Mount Carmel. We're going to have us a worship service. And they show up, and Elijah tells them, we're going to settle whose God is the real God today. What we're going to do, we're going to build an altar, and we're going to offer up a sacrifice. You worship your idol God, and I'll worship mine, and we'll see which God will send down fire from heaven to consume our sacrifice. And the God that answers, we will serve. You see... The giving of a sacrifice is worship. Remember Genesis 22. When Abraham was going to offer his son as a sacrifice, Abraham said, me and the lad go yonder to worship. They went to sacrifice because sacrifice is a worship. A lot of people can't get the breakthrough they need because they think worship is just simply singing a song that's needing to be sung. To really worship God is a sacrifice. There's times you've got to crucify your flesh to do a spiritual thing. Worship is a spiritual thing, and when you don't want to, it's because your flesh is prohibiting you to. It's not so hard to do on a good day, but what about on a bad day or during a drought? It's going to take a sacrifice then to worship. Love is a sacrifice. You can't say you love someone and never sacrifice for them. Your sacrifice is the evidence of your love for them. So Elijah tells about prophets, you worship your God and I worship mine. Now why was this necessary? Because the people were caught between two opinions. Here we go. This is very relevant. They couldn't decide whether to serve Baal or Jehovah. And that's still where a lot of people are living today. They want to straddle the fence. One foot in, one foot out, caught between two opinions. But you can't break a drought in your life if you're undecided who you're going to believe in and serve in a drought. That's a word for somebody. Either you're going to walk by faith or flesh. You're either going to serve the Lord or be a sinner. You can't have it both ways. You can't serve two masters. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't be a drunk and a preacher. You can't be an adulterer and an usher. You can't be married and live like you're single. You can't be a nursery worker while you're shacking up. You can't be a gospel while teaching Sunday school. Come on, somebody. See, all of us can quote scripture. Everybody's got two or three memorized. Hey, I've heard scripture quoted in nightclubs. I have. I've seen drunks singing gospel songs, crying and singing Amazing Grace while chugging Jack Daniels. Come on, somebody. We got weird sinners. Sinners, but they watch Jensen Franklin online every Sunday morning. What's up with all this? They're caught in the middle between two opinions, they're straddling the fence. And God said it plenty. You're either for me or against me. Quit fooling yourself. And it's time for folks to quit acting like you're one of God's undercover agents, where you're saved, but you just don't want no one out there to know it because it'll blow your cover. What am I talking about? You've worked in that factory for five years, nobody in that factory ever knew you were a Christian. And you can't tell them because if you do, you can't act like you've been acting. Get caught praying one day. What are you doing? I'm meditating. (laughs) When you ought to be like, Yeah, I'm praying. What's it to you? Caught between two opinions, so many people. God knows the people are divided and He uses Elijah to unite them. Nothing harder than to try to lead someone who hasn't made up their mind. They just want to be neutral. Baal's cool. Jehovah's cool. It's all cool, dog. No, it's not all good. It's black and white. It's good or evil. And Elijah says, we're going to set it right now in a worship service. You can set a lot of things in a good worship service, folks. Elijah tells the prophets, you go first. He provides the sacrifice. I'm just going to sit over here and you go ahead and worship your God. So they begin to call on Baal all afternoon. Nothing happens. Elijah begins to mock them. Hey, maybe he's busy. Hey, holler louder. Maybe he's deaf. So they start screaming. Yet nothing happened. The goat done fell asleep, was even starting to snore. So they started even cutting themselves, begging their God to show up. Still nothing but a lot of noise. Nothing happened. You ever seen that in a worship service? Just a lot of noise. Elijah had enough. He says, step aside, boys, you're through. First thing he's can do, he digs a ditch. You need to know this. you got to position yourself for God to do something like God has never done before in your life. And that's what Elijah was getting ready for. He digs a ditch. Now bring me some wood. Pour the water on it. Throw some rocks on there. Put the animal on top of it. Yeah, you say rocks. They don't burn. Oh, yes, they will because my God's a consuming fire. This took some time. Some preparation takes time. It takes time to get an answer, but you've got to prepare by faith that God's going to answer. It's already, Elijah prays, Lord, show yourself strong in this situation by fire. Anybody in here got a situation and you need God to show himself strong on your behalf? Do you know that he says it's his desire to? All of a sudden, in other words, suddenly, say suddenly. Fire came down from heaven, it fried the goat, burned up the wood, burned up the rocks and licked the water up. The water, yes. Two elements that are not to coexist, fire and water. Usually water puts out the fire, but this time the fire put out the water. You got to understand, supernatural power will always supersede the natural laws of man. Because God is not a man. He's not going to show himself strong naturally. He's going to do it supernaturally. Come on. He's going to do what man can't do. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. Your ways are not his ways. Your thoughts are not his thoughts. Therefore, your circumstances and your situations that can't be solved by natural law or human hands can be consumed by the supernatural, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent power of God. What looks like a mountain to you looks like a molehill from heaven's point of view. His arms are not too short. He's never too late. He's your very present help in times of trouble. That's why he says the battle's not yours. It's mine. Give me that thing. Let me have it. Let me fight this one. This is a spiritual battle. So the fire falls all of a sudden. All the people bow down and believe in God, that the God that Elijah served, Jehovah. Elijah laid out a certain principle of sacrifice. That if you want God to show up, be prepared and make a sacrifice. You can't ask God to show up and burn up when there's no sacrifice, no worship on your part. God showed up because he wanted to show himself strong to his people. In one moment, it was settled. There's nothing to Baal. Jehovah God is the only true living God. And so then the people began worshiping. Yet while they're worshiping, get this. The prophets of Baal, their enemy was being killed. Elijah had them all killed. In a moment of worship, you can kill your enemy. Things that have hindered you made a mockery of you. Elijah prayed that God would answer, and he did. But the enemy wasn't dead yet. But when they worship, God killed their enemy. Are you hearing me? You're in a drought, a spiritual famine, and you feel dead on the inside. and You have no vision of it ever being any different. And you want it to rain again. You want to smile again. You want to live again. And you say, I prayed, and I prayed, and I suggest to you, begin to worship. Oh, it'll be a sacrifice for you too, feeling like you do. But when everything falls apart, praise his name. If you got a broken heart, just lift your voice and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now, they've done prayed, and God's done showed up. They have done worship, and God has defeated their enemy you just got to choose this day, as they did, whom you're going to serve. Amen. Who are you going to believe in a drought? But God wants to do more than just rain on your worship today. He wants to give you vision. He wants you to see yourself as God sees you. Notice that the vision comes after the worship service. So let's continue. Yeah, boy, hold on. You must believe God is good, and he's wanting to be good to you. So the fire has fell, the enemies killed, well, it's up on the heels of this encounter with God that Elijah receives the icing on the cake, so to say. It's that thing that God promises when he says he'll do exceedingly abundantly above what you're even able to ask or think. See, God don't want you just to defeat your enemy. He wants you to live in victory, and he wants to bless you. It's after you defeat, your enemy, that you, can, that you can begin to hear from God again. You can begin to see straight. You can begin to have a vision again. Because you see, your enemy had you blinded. But once God defeats your enemy, you're like that old song we sing that says, "'Twas blind, but now I see." After the showdown was over, Elijah tells his servant. We got any servants of God in this place tonight? He tells him, go tell Ahab it's going to rain. Now I'm fixing to tie all this together like a good mystery. I've just been expressing to you for a moment the accumulative effect of serving God. That it's not just one thing he brings to balance. He brings balance into all things. I've also shown you the accumulative effort of God to show himself strong on your behalf as he has in Elijah's life. Remember, Elijah the prophet was one moment up and one moment down till God brought balance to his life. But no more so than what he wants to do for your life. Now that all the people were no longer divided, it's been settled, whom they're going to serve, they're in unity, they're in one mind, one accord. Remember how much how God did on the day of Pentecost because of the oneness of mind? The fire falls when we're united, folks. If we can get this, if we respond in a unified manner, we can raise the roof off this place with the glory. Unity was necessary to be able to deal with the real problem. They made the right choice to unite, but folks... There's still a drought. The enemy was dead, but there was still a drought. But know this. Every miracle Elijah witnessed that preceded the drought was necessary to build Elijah's faith so that he could handle the drought. Same for you. You come in here and you jump and shout, but if you don't deal with the real issue, the drought... And you're in a drought because you don't have vision, because you can't see past the drought, you can't see your circumstances ever being any different, no vision, you will begin to perish. Elijah is fixing to deal with the real issue, the drought. Elijah is fixing to see past the drought because he has a vision. The problem stopping the people from getting a real breakthrough is they have no vision. How does he confront the drought? Not the same way he confronts the prophet of Baal. This is not going to be an outer victory. This is going to be an inner victory. He went inside of himself. You know what he did? He drawed nigh to God and God drawed nigh to him. To the point he proclaimed, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Remember, until you allow your worship to kill your enemy, you can't deal with the real problem, your drought, your famine. Because once you do kill that other voice you've been listening to, once you're no longer caught between two opinions, then you can see past your circumstances. Then you can hear from God again. And you can see, and this too shall pass. Elijah just didn't say a slight chance of rain. He said it's going to rain abundantly. Now, I might have said it this way. Go tell Ahab, get a bite to eat and get ready. There's a chance it could rain. No, Elijah called it like he saw it, like he heard it. He said it like he believed it. There was no doubt. There was no question in his mind. He said, there's going to be an abundance of rain. Not everybody thinks about abundance in a drought, do you? Not everybody has that kind of vision in a drought. Most can't see it ever raining in a drought, a spiritual drought I'm talking. For too many, it's just always going to be like this, that nothing's going to change. You can't even remember the last time it ever rained. Now, it hasn't rained naturally for us in, what, three, four days? So does anyone in here ever think it's going to rain again? Probably most of us do. But what if it had been three years? What would you begin to think? See, very few people will talk about abundance when they're in a drought. Matter of fact, you've got to be a little bit strange, crazy, peculiar like me to start calling things that are not as though they were. To stand here tonight considering all that we got going on in our nation and in our personal lives and declare to you that I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Amen. To stand in the drought and still speak, I'm blessed. Yes. To declare tonight, and this too shall pass. This ain't my first rodeo. My help comes from the Lord. If it never rains again, church, I'm blessed. Yes. There's times you got to call it. you got to say it. That's what faith is. I call it in the spiritual even when I haven't even seen it in the natural yet. You want to know what a person is seeing? Listen to what they're saying. It's called vision because you're going to say what you see. If your mouth is talking your life down, it's because that's how you see it. Then that's where you're going, down, down, down. It don't have a chance to even get up. You just keep beating yourself down, self-inflicted. You just keep digging your hole deeper and deeper have your mind to tell your mouth to shut up because it's like a shovel digging a grave. You're burying your dreams. You've got to quit speaking that poison over your life. It's going to kill your vision. You want to know why it's taking you so long to get out of your drought? Because you know how to handle blessing, but you don't know how to handle a drought. God despises murmuring and complaining. Israel was delivered out of 400 years of bondage, Headed to the promised land. Nine-day journey. It turned into 40 years because of murmuring and complaining. Because out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. Your mouth is a reflection of the condition of your heart and your attitude towards God and your circumstances. Hello, newsflash. As a man thinketh, so shall he be. You think you're done, you're done. You think it's over, it's over. You think you're too late, it's too late. You think you're a failure, you probably will be. You think you're worthless, you will be. You think you're not good enough, you won't be. That's why you can't talk to some people. You're talking faith and they're talking doubt. You're coming from a whole nother dimension. He said, I hear the abundance, I hear. Get this, he didn't hear this on the outside, he heard this on the inside. It wasn't happening in the natural, it was happening in the supernatural at that moment. And Elijah was hearing and seeing in the supernatural what was about to materialize in the natural. But he began to speak in the natural what he had heard in the supernatural. That's why God says, let the redeemed say so. You want to know why? Because they will get it right. He hadn't experienced it, but he had already envisioned it. In the natural, it was so dry that cactuses had withered. But at that hour, the season had come for the vision to be obtained. Elijah was prophesying, I hear the abundance of rain. Go tell Ahab to eat and get ready to get off of this mountain. Anybody who had eyes could look around and see it's not raining in the natural. It hadn't for three years. Why would it now? Just because this man said it. But if they could see in the spiritual realm what Elijah heard and saw. Elijah said, I'm calling it like I see it. Young man, go look for what I hear and see in my spirit. You cannot lose when you act upon what you hear and see in the spirit. Never. Never. Because what you see and hear in the Spirit, you can expect to see in the natural. That's why folks make fun of you and what you say because they don't see what you see. Oh, Noah could sure testify to that. I say let them laugh. Basically, upon what Elijah's spirit envisioned, though, we're talking about going from nothing to suddenly in abundance. Hadn't rained in three years, there's no in-between. It's all or nothing here. He's not expecting a slow, gradual, progressive rain. He's expecting a suddenly one so big they better get off that mountain fast. We're talking about a sudden transition like we find in Acts 2. Suddenly there came the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Who in here needs God to do a suddenly in your life? Who wants to be able to testify tonight after this service? I came in this sanctuary night. I felt horrible. My faith was at the bottom due to my circumstances. But all of a sudden, the power of God came up on me like a blanket, and suddenly I'm revived again. Hallelujah. So here we got no rain and an abundance of rain. And the place in the middle in between the two. And that place in the middle between the two is where the visionary lives. Hallelujah. Visionaries live in between two extremes. Come on. Now with vision, you've got to have somebody you can speak vision to. And that will react to something that hasn't happened yet. Someone who believes in you like the servant boy. When Elijah told him to go tell Ahab, he did. When Elijah told him to go look for what he saw, he did. He didn't say, you're crazy, old man. You lost your mind. And some of you are held up stuck because you don't got nobody to agree with you. But can I tell you, if any two or three agree with you on anything it's touching anything on this earth, it shall be done. There is power in the prayer of agreement. I see it. I believe it. I tell you I saw it. And if I can get you to believe what I saw, then we're in agreement and something's about to happen. You're going to birth something. He sees vision. And what did I say that meant? He's going to obtain his vision. It's going to materialize. He's just gonna have somebody believe with him, and the servant boy does. Now, you ladies understand this when giving birth. You got somebody there, your mom, or it's your excuse your me, your husband or your sister, telling you when to push and when to breathe. And when the baby comes, someone in the room starts hollering, there she is, at the very first sign of it. But the baby mama don't see it when it first comes. But she feels it knew it's coming. For you ever seen it? Are you getting this? This is where Elijah and the servant boy were at. Elijah's over here with his head down. He tells the servant boy, "Go see if it's here, because it's fixing to come." Elijah's in travail like a woman at birth. He sends him once, he don't see it. Sends him twice, he don't see it. He believed it, and he knew the servant was going to see it though. And when he does, he's going to declare that this is that. And I've come to tell some folks, get ready. I'm here to agree with you. If you will agree with me, that pain, that tabrel that you're going through is nothing more than the birth pains to your vision. And according to Joel 2.28, in the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon flesh, and your young men shall see visions. In other words, I declare unto you, get ready. This is going to be a season of attaining visions. We just got to get you seen and believing and declaring it again. Hallelujah. Elijah is fixing to walk in his vision. His vision is fixing to materialize. What he's visualized, what he's seen and what he's heard from God is going to be materialized. The word see not only means as to obtain, it also means as to walk in. In other words, he's fixing to walk in his vision. He's fixing to stand in an abundance of rain. I won't be satisfied till I walk in my visions there's going to be a season I'm going to walk in the realm of what I believe, of what I heard, and what I've seen. I see vision. It's not always going to be like this. This too shall pass. There's greater days ahead. Elijah's traveling. He asked the servant to keep going back. Keep looking. Keep expecting. Now, this is when most people's visions die. When the people closest to you come back to you say, I can't see it. When they say, I can't see what you see. That's a painful time. When you see it, but nobody else does. That's when you have to keep believing by faith. It's hard to hold on to it when they discourage your vision. But Elijah, due to his previous encounters with God, knows to be faithful and wait upon the Lord. God has never felt him yet. He's so radical in his faith, he says, go look again. A fifth time, a sixth time. And even a seventh time, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm telling you, keep looking, keep expecting what God has told you will come to pass till the report on the outside matches the report on the inside. Keep preaching it, keep saying it, keep believing it till they see it. Keep going back to the bank. Keep going back to the employer. Keep calling your sister back. The problem with the church is we give up way too easy. If my musicians would come, if you would come and bring us some camp meeting music, there might be somebody here tonight who wants to stand in the rain. Might be somebody tonight who wants to run in the rain. Might be somebody here tonight who wants to dance in the rain. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I've come to declare this drought's over. My last point. Seventh time the servant comes back, what did you see? He asked him. He said, I saw a cloud the size of a man's fist. Now Elijah must have thought, I heard an abundance of rain, and you only saw a cloud the size of a man's hand? See, when God begins to answer, sometimes we get discouraged. If at first it don't appear as we thought. Why you would have thought it had to be a cloud the size of Texas to what he had declared? But look at Elijah's response. He jumps up and shouts, go tell Ahab, get off the mountain because this is that. It's fixing to rain. And I've come to tell some folks, get up. It's fixing to rain in this place. It may look like what God is doing in this world at this moment is only the size of a man's fist but I've come to declare you as a servant of God. This is that. It's fixing rain on our mountain. The spiritual, spiritual drought is fixing me over. I've come to tell this body your dream's not dead. You're not dead. The church is not dead. I'll give you that we're in a drought and it is a dry time, but what we need is somebody like an Elijah that'll stand up in the pulpit and say, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. What we need is a servant of God to say, I see a cloud about the size of a man's fist. What we need is a person like Peter or this is that that the prophet Joe prophesied. This is that. In the last days, God said, I shall pour out my spirit. Will you stand with me tonight? It may not look like it from where you're sitting, but if you've lost your vision, if you're ready for a spiritual drought to be over, if you need someone to agree with you today, I'm here with the spirit of the living God to lay hands on you and declare that this is that. It may only be big this big today, but this is that. If you'll come and see what I see, I see God coming down in this place and making the dry places wet and the crooked places straight. I see healing. I see deliverance. I see provision. You got to get a vision so as not to perish in your circumstances. You got to believe for it to rain again. The devil is a liar. Now, come on. This is your season to walk in your vision, to see your vision, to obtain your vision. The raven season's over. The dove season is here. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. You've got to get your vision back. You've got to get out of your drought so you can live again, so you can love again. This church has got to get past this drought, and it's time for the Spirit of the living God through you and by you to break the drought. I'm calling the church. Come to this altar tonight. Come. Let God open up the heavens tonight and pour us out a blessing. The Spirit of the living God to reign on this place tonight. If you're tired and you're in a place and you need God to revive you, you've been in a Drought in a dry place. I'm asking the body of Christ, come to these altar nights. Open up your hearts and let God begin to pour out His Spirit upon you. Would you come tonight? Hallelujah. Come, church. Would you come? It's a new season. It's a new day. There's no reason for you to leave this place dry. Let the Spirit of God begin to pour out. God, have your way. Have your way, O Lord. Have your way. Come see what God says. Come see what I believe. I believe there's deliverance in the house. I believe there's healing in the house. I believe there's provision in the house. Praise the name of the Lord. Would you come? I need some prayer warriors. Would you come? I need somebody to agree with these people. Somebody come and agree. Honorable Shundahar.